When Tetzayin Cheshvan is the yard site of one of the greatest Gedolim of the last century, the Chazon Ish. Amazingly enough, very few people will actually remember the name of the Chazon Ish. He is worldwide known as the Chazon Ish, but of course his real name is Harav Avram Yeshaya Karelitz. He was born in Chutzlaretz in 1878 in a town, Kosova, where his father was the Rav of Bezdin. He learned at home under the tutelage of his father, and as we've seen in many cases, many great Gedolim actually did not learn in the yeshiva environment, but rather grew in their own home family environment and in the local base marriage. According to the legend which is printed in many books about the Chazonish, at the age of Bar Mitzvah, when he was obviously a young child, the Chazonish proclaimed that he never wants to do anything in his life except learn Torah Lashma. He devoted his life from childhood to be a Torah scholar, learning Torah the rest of his life. He moved to Vilna, where he became a confidant and a consultant of Reb Chaim Ozer, the Rav of Vilna, which of course caused his fame to spread even more. The amazing point about the Chazon Ish is that he really did fulfill this desire of his from the age of Bar Mitzvah. He spent his entire le- life learning Torah Lishma. He had no official office. He became, ne- never became a rabbi of a city or became a Rosh Yeshiva in any famous Yeshiva. Simply, he became world-spread all over the world. His fame was spread because he was the Chazanish. He published Svarim anonymously at first, known as the Chazanish. Of course, the word Ish is the initials of Avam Yeshaya. And the Sefer became known, and slowly but surely, the name of the author was revealed. And as we said, his fame became all over the world. When he moved to Israel, he consulted Rav Kook about the issues of Mitzvah Satkaliyas Baritz. We have some of the Ksavim, some of the writings that the Chazonish wrote to Rav Kook answered about questions of Mitzvah Satkaliyas Baritz, the laws that apply to Israel. Unfortunately, there has been much debate and speculation about the attitude of the Chazonish to the to Rav Kook, and in general to Gedolim with whom he differed. Some say things that I would rather not repeat about the Chazon Isha's attitude toward Rav Kook and others. However, there seems to be no doubt that although the Chazon Ish certainly did not agree with the Zionistic perspectives of Rav Kook, he certainly did respect him as a Tamid Chacham and as a Gadol.
The Chazanish was consulted on many, many different issues. His home in B'nai Brak became the focal point for visitors to come to ask questions about all related topics. It seems that he had a tremendous knowledge of fields not necessarily associated directly with Tamini Chachamim who learned the world of Halacha. It seems that he knew medicine, astronomy, agriculture very well. People used to consult with him about medical issues and afterwards related that his knowledge of the medical issues seemed to be encyclopedic. His work on astronomy was well publicized when the great issue of Yom Tov Sheni in the Far Eastern countries occurred. When the Mir Yeshiva went to Japan, to China, after, in the aftermath of the Second World War, after the Holocaust, and they found refuge within those countries, the big issue was made over people who passed the international dateline when they would keep Yom Kippur, when they would keep Shabbos. The Chazon Ish wrote a famous treatise about this topic, and in which, of course, he exhibited great knowledge and erudition about Hilchos Kirshachodesh, the typical laws of Kirshachodesh, but he also showed that he was well versed in, in the phenomena of the world which are important in order to paskin such a Shaila. His personal life was rather tragic. He had no children and his marital situation was complicated at best. However, this did not deter him from spending his whole life devoted to Torah. He lived in a home which was very, very simple in B'nai Brak. Many people have related the story, not necessarily associated with the Chazonish, of a visit that they made to the house of a Gadol, who basically lived in a very simple, unpretentious house with very little furniture. When they asked the Balabas, the, this Rav who lived in such a situation, why did he live there? So his answer was, to you, to the person who asked him, who perhaps was a very rich man visiting from America, and he would ask him, where's your furniture? He, his answer be, would be, I'm traveling, I don't have my house, I don't have my furniture with me, you can only travel with what you, you know, one or two suitcases. Because then he said, we're all travelers in this world. There's no reason to build a house of permanence, of beauty, of opulence, because basically we're all traveling in this world. I had a good friend who lived in Los Angeles who was so influenced by this that he himself decided to live a life of simplicity, of absolute simplicity, although he himself was rather rather wealthy, but you could not tell it at all in his house. He told me that one visit to the Chazan Ish changed his whole attitude toward worldly possessions. The Chazanish was consulted, as I said, on many issues. I'd like to refer to two specific types of issues. Educational issues were brought to the Chazanish al-Yamin v'al-Small. All questions of educational issues were brought. And the Chazanish, besides writing this magnum opus of the Chazanish, expressed many of his philosophic ideas, his thoughts specifically concerning education, in a little volume of thought 
published by the Chazanish. It's a beauty in Hebrew. The language is beautiful. And of course, the ideas are appropriate and, and uh, to the life and philosophy of the Chazanish. In educational issues, I taught in Midrashiyat Noam in Padishana. That is the Yeshiva High School, which was founded in the early 40s. The Rosh Yeshiva, Rav Yogel, used to consult the Chazanish regularly on issues to do with beginning a new Yeshiva. For example, in order for the Yeshiva to be approved by the Misrata Chinuch, by the Department of Education, it had to have a course in literature. And the Chazonish was consulted what literature is considered proper for yeshiva students to read, but it would have to be literature which would also meet the standards of the Misrata Chinuch, of the Board of Education, which wasn't necessarily a religious board. Some solution was worked out, but interestingly enough, eventually, that little safer of the Chazonish on Emunau Bitachon, that, that article that or treatise that he wrote on belief and trust in God became approved as literature to be used in the course of literature for Misrata Chinuch. Rav Yogel used to say how occasionally not only did he consult the Chazon Ish, but he used to bring students to meet the Chazon Ish and discuss their particular issues with him. One of the main issues that occurred in those days was the responsibility of the institution to a student who was not doing well, to put it mildly. The question was, can you throw a student out of the yeshiva? The issue itself had more than one ramification. One was for the student himself. The student in question, if he had been thrown out of the yeshiva, obviously would have had a problem getting accepted into another yeshiva, and it would be very difficult to imagine what his future would be. On the other hand, the students in the yeshiva very often suffered somewhat, perhaps even physically, but certainly spiritually, from the fact that they have students within their class who were disruptive, who were problematic. And the question was, could these students be thrown out? Would they be considered, in a certain sense, like a, a rodeif, like a person who is threatening other people spiritually, educationally. In general, the Chazonish ruled that you cannot throw out a student. And he felt that more work has to be invested in that student. Sometimes, from these type of students, we saw great results later on in life, and he really believed in key of work of these particular students. He used to quote a famous line in the Gemara, Kevan Sheikisha Chayavba. The Gemara is in another context completely. The Gemara discusses a Shomer, a guardian who accepts responsibility for an animal, and the Gemara says once you accept responsibility, you did an act which shows that you accept responsibility, Chayavba. Then you're responsible. In other words, the Chazoni said, in, you might not have to accept every student who applies to the yeshiva, but once you've accepted him, you are responsible for him and must take care of him. There were extreme cases where the Chazonish also agreed that this student should be removed from this particular yeshiva. In such a case, the Chazonish insisted 
that the Rosh Hashiva himself, perhaps one of the Ramim as well, should take the student and learn with him privately before he's thrown out and continue that learning even after the student is thrown out in order to somehow alleviate the pain that this particular student would feel and to perhaps encourage him to continue in his Torah studies and not necessarily feel rejected by the entire yeshiva world. Another issue that the Chazonish was consulted about often was what we would call real politic. The Chazonish was consulted by the leaders of the Aguda at almost every important decision that they had to make. Rav Lawrence, the member of the Aguda, one of the leaders of the Aguda, Chavir Knesset, writes how he used to consult the Chazonish before any speech he made. And sometimes the Chazonish rejected his speech and told him to bury it, not use it because he felt it would not be beneficial in the long run. In this connection, the Chazanish was different than other Gedalim at the time. I'd like to relate a famous story that happened in the shear that Rav Salavechik gave for his uncle, Rav Velvel. After Rav Velvel, the Priske Rav, Hagan Rav Yitzchak Zev Salavechik, passed away, the Rav gave a special hesped for him in Yeshiva University. In that speech, he discussed his uncle as being an absolute Isha Emes, an absolute man of truth who had no sense of anything without, with, that was not within the world of Torah. He had to find the values within the world of Torah, he had to find the issues within the world of Torah, and only then would he deal with it. So the Rav, Rav Salavechik, related that when the Brisker Rav was asked by Ben-Gurion if he would be willing for the Ben-Gurion to visit him to discuss national issues, the issue for, perhaps of uh, women's draft, drafting women, or other issues, the Brisker Rav refused to meet the Chazanish. I'm sorry, the Brisker Rav Chazanish. The Brisker Rav refused to meet Ben-Gurion. He said, I don't want to talk to a Russia, a person with whom he considered beyond the pale of Judaism. So he said, I don't even want to meet with him. The Rav made the comment, my, my uncle was an Isha Emes and refused to, to see, see Ben-Gurion. Not so was the Chazanish. One person in the audience at that time felt that the Rav was somehow insulting the dignity of the Chazanish. And he called out, he said, you're insulting the dignity of the Chazanish. A certain tumult ensued, and eventually uh, order was restored, and the Rav continued with his speech. I don't think that the accusation was true in any sense. The Rav certainly did not want to insult the Chazanish. It could be that their style of learning was quite different. The Chazanish did not learn what we would call the Brisker method, but yet, as any other Gadol, the Rav respected Gedolim and certainly respected the Chazanish. The family even consulted the Chazanish on certain occasions. But the Rav just meant that his uncle was not involved in real politic. His uncle was a person who was only found within Arba Amashal Allah within the world of Beis Nebrish. The Chazanish had a different approach to life. The Chazanish's approach to life was one of world involvement after he came to Bnei Brak, somehow that was the change of his life. Whereas before he came to Bnei Brak, 
the Chazonish was rather a quiet person who learned Torah Lishma, and Eretz Yisrael, as the uncrowned leader of Haredi Judaism, the Chazonish was consulted in many issues, including real politic, and felt he had to deal with it. Of course, some of the major decisions of the Chazonish still are held and propagated in Bnei Brak, the Shi'urim of the Chazonish, the issues of Shemitah, etc., are well known in Bnei Brak to follow the Chazonish. His Hashpa'ah, his influence, certainly did not die down with the Petira of the Chazonish in 1953. Fifty-four years ago, the man had passed away, and yet his influence in the world of Halacha is felt very strongly until this day.